Welcome to the Westminster Effect Soxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields. I own Westminster Effects. You can buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. Make sure you join the discussion at the Westminster Effects Soxology Podcast Lounge. Subscribe, comment, share the show, all that good stuff. Help us beat the algorithms. Maybe actually physically, maybe do your Will Smith impression with the algorithm. Uh, In person, I am joined by... Hey, it's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via the interwebs by... Still in my head. It's Bradley. Every single time. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Uh, John Ross here, Westminster effects artist dogs Bergian christian uh yep from lincoln nebraska <laughs> that was a good one that sounded like one of mine and, and john truly did yeah he did one of his bradley impressions that was good all right let's jump in in the weekly inquisition post we got a question from one matt bradley old friend of westminster effects since we both use or he used, he doesn't build anymore, but our, we have the same circuit board guys. Shout out to Kyle Daly. So he says, here's the situation. I'm on guitar three out of four weeks in the month at church. We have three sound guys. One is literally a pro. One was trained by the pro. And the third is an old school bluegrass guy. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Whenever the bluegrass guy is on the mixer, I get three notes into sound check and hear my guitar practically disappear from my in-ear monitors, which means he's gaining me down. He's pulling down the gain on the board that much that he can't hear himself at all. Hmm. It's bad enough that last time during sound check, I pulled my ears out, stopped playing, and then started playing the wrong notes. So he's playing jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and he still couldn't tell a difference because he was pulled back so much. And he's always pulled back so much that every time bluegrass guy is on the board, people tell me that they can't hear me. He says, I'm definitely not a more me guy, but we're a contemporary worship band that's driven by electric guitar. Am I being a baby? If I decline to play on the Sundays that he's on the board, why practice all week and wake up at 6am on Sunday? If no one will hear it anyway, Yes, I have mentioned this to the worship leader, and even he doesn't like the way he mixes, but he also wants people to serve. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, dear. Oh, Sharon, well, uh, Sharon makes coffee using the same grounds all morning long, but gosh darn it, she's got a servant heart. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of bluegrass, I, uh, just a, uh, a, weird, uh, a weird happenstance, so... My, uh, my 91 F one fifty still going strong, but just, uh, just a bit of a challenge for, uh, uh, for all three kids in it. So I, I did, uh, you know, I picked up myself, uh, a, uh, a more family, family friendly vehicle. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is, uh, the, uh, the guy who finished the, you know, writing all the deal and the title and all that garbage, um, we got in talking and turns out he plays bluegrass. And so, uh, when I went to go, uh, pick the car player that week, um, he said, Hey, we're getting together tonight. Uh, in my note, no joke in my friend's woodshed. That was completely accurate. Uh, and we're going to go play some bluegrass. I'm like, 
Yeah, I'd love to be there. So I went, played bluegrass, and uh, they were drinking uh, Bud Light Clamato, which <laughs> I like. I mean, I like Bud Light. I like tomato juice. You know, the combination in half bad. Uh, Jack Daniels Tennessee Honey, and and then the the old guy who was like, you know, had one of those like walkers that has the the built in seat when you know when you get tired. Oh yeah, uh, he was he was sipping on Fireball. So yes, sir. Uh, it he was was, he uh, wasn't taking any prisoners that night. Yeah, it oh, was a, it was goodness. a good old time. I mean, I couldn't understand a dang word he said, but he had a great kind of nineteen sixties <laughs> archtop gretch. And uh, anyways, uh, that's my that's my bluegrass uh, my my most recent bluegrass uh, kind of thing. But that's not the point. The point is, bluegrass guy <laughs> doesn't like the rock and roll. If if it was the bluegrass guy who you just met with the walker and the arch top, Gretch, then maybe there's a different story to be told. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> this guy probably plays like mandolin and nothing but mandolin. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah. Man, I might fly out to Nebraska to see witness this. Right? That's incredible. Yeah. Right. It was uh, all the way on the it was like a 30-minute drive on completely the other side of Lincoln. Uh, I didn't even know this road that they were on went this far. That's that's how far outside of Lincoln it was. Um, <laughs> it's like a movie. Like that, right. that, he can make a movie about this. That. Is, we we now know that Lincoln has more than both kinds of music, being country and western, <laughs> and yeah, and uh, and bluegrass. So I yeah, bluegrass. yeah. Uh, I've, I've always enjoyed bluegrass. It's good. Uh, Me too. I love bluegrass. Oh yeah, yeah. It was surprisingly uh, enough. I enjoy bluegrass. Just for the record. Yeah, it was it was a great time, and uh, and that surprises me not not at all. Um, and uh yeah so uh, i tend to get along better with uh with older folks anyways uh because you know uh they just kind of do their own thing and i like that uh so yeah that's uh that's good stuff but uh, yeah i mean now that we've wasted half of our podcast you're right (laughs) talking about the question talking about john's uh deliverance uh moment um what so We've all had, I mean, maybe not Bradley, right? Because because like you always need the acoustic and you always need the keys, right? I don't think anyone turned those down, but I'm sure Cody and I both and most of our listeners have probably had that moment where we realize, hey, I'm not in the house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yep, yep. I mean, that's a, I mean, that is a, a gutting feeling for the exact reasons that that Matt outlined. I mean, you've practiced all week. Not to mention you've you've invested some coinage in 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 your rig, um, but uh, yeah, you you've you've worked all week, and and even though in the back of your head you realize it's like this shindig is going to go on whether I'm here or not, mm-hmm. uh, it's still pretty gutting when you realize wait a sec I'm not even in the mix to the point where like. I, the the gain thing is weird. I'm gonna you know, like I'm gonna turn it over to you guys while I try to unpack that a little bit because I think there may be some best intentions that we could uncover here. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if it 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 if he. I mean, not being in the house that's one thing, but not being able to hear himself is another. Yeah. I, right. I, I assume they're running in ears, which means does yeah, he not have control over his own mix? Um, he probably does, and if the the mixers monkeying with the gain. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. You yeah. shouldn't be monkeying with the gain. Yeah. You know, it, it, the, the house preference, notwithstanding there, there might be just a, um, what should we say? Like a, a mechanical kind of problem here 
with this guy not understanding, he shouldn't be touching the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know who's fader. I don't that's know who's issue. that's a fader issue. I don't know if any who who is ultimately in charge of the mix in this church, but um, I would think that the sound guy doesn't know if the bluegrass guy doesn't seem to know he don't have to mess with the gain in order to adjust the mix and yeah i mean um you know unless he's i mean th- there are obviously opportunities where, where you would need to do that you know switching from musicians or right or yeah. or, or, or whatnot um but that should be one of those things where the person in the booth if they're monkeying with the gain gives a heads up to the right. folks on stage to adjust right. their ears that that didn't happen the other day at our rehearsal when <laughs> did steven tell you about yeah. that with, oh, yeah. with the wall that he built yeah, in yeah. front of the drums yeah mm. uh, but he didn't put any foam in it and so everything was just ricocheting <laughs> and everything sounded weird and so my wife was on the board so Kristen's mm-hmm. on the board and she hits the gain just like just barely bumps it on the snare drum. And all of a sudden Patrick Lowry's like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> Because yeah. It, it just blew up in his ears. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, that is just as an aside, um, you know, to, to any sound, uh, sound tech or, or front of house engineer or whatever you want to call yourself based upon your personal level of experience. That's a safety issue. Yeah, realistically. But I think I, I think perhaps it's an opportunity for training, especially because it's gain. I mean, if it's a fader thing, you take your ears out and it's like, wait a sec, I'm not even here. Uh, that's one thing. But if he's adjusting gain, I think there's there's some opportunities to discern why that's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, different maybe bluegrass guys used to analog mixers where you know you you kind of want to run everything. Uh, you know, when your faders it, uh, you know, like negative 10 below unity, you kind of want to run everything in the green, never really want to push it to yellow so it doesn't spike to the red and distort because that's the way analog mixers kind of did their thing. I mean, maybe there's a piece of that, you know, not knowing that digital mixers are, are much more forgiving in that aspect. Uh, maybe he just doesn't like you. I mean, that that's entirely possible. <laughs> like maybe he just yeah. does not like you. And of course, you know, in all seriousness, that's a heart thing. Um, But, uh, you know, we're always going to have volunteers, uh, regardless of kind of uh, area uh, of of service that need a little more refinement, you know, putting trying to put the best spin on this. And maybe it's an opportunity to uh, to reach out to the to the professional guy and be like, hey. We're going to take a moment, you know, we're going to take a weekend. We're going to reset the board, right? We're going to, we're going to reset everything, go back to, to net new. And, uh, and, and we're going to kind of do a, a retraining for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's a collective piece, right? Not singling someone out, um, but uh, still gets to, it still puts the pro in a position that he can uh, kind of leverage and exert his his professional level experience uh, for the benefit of others. Um, and, you know, they're still doing something that they enjoy, whether it's learning or doing, and I think that's fine. Uh, but maybe that would take care of it. I mean, it, it's difficult to discern what the actual root cause here is. Um, but I, I think my advice to, is it Matt? Yep. <clears throat> would be rather than just sort of like packing up your gear and going home um, 
on those weeks that bluegrass guys mixing, I, I think what I would do is I would lobby hard with the worship leader, you know, uh, to have conversation with those that are rotating on the mix about to have a conversation at least about the gain issue. Because like John said, it is a safety issue, but it's also an ability to play. If he's, if he's turning the gain down and I can't hear myself in my in-ears, that, that's, so that's sort of a, a deal breaker in a way. If you cannot hear yourself at all yeah. and you're losing control over your personal mix, that's, that's really not fair. And, but you know, if that was able to be resolved, then I think at the very least, Matt could show up and play. He can hear himself in his ears. He can worship. He can be a presence on stage contributing uh, to the atmosphere of worship in, in his church, even if he knows that he's not being heard out in the audience. I mean, like you can do that. The, the, the thing that I wouldn't want to do is for him to, you know, develop bitterness or a bad attitude about it. Um, you could at least go that far. But I do think <clears throat> this is one of the classic problems in local church worship ministry. I've been doing this for so long and it's, it, it's still an issue. We have it here. It's mixed consistency preferences, uh, you know, just sort of creeping their way in uh, with whoever is on the board. We're dealing with amateurs for the most part. I know Matt says they have a professional on the rotation, but um, you know, you're dealing with amateurs and they're, they're doing in, in one sense, probably the best that they can. Um, but you know, worship ministry is so unique in the local church in this way. Um probably more so than any other volunteer opportunity in a local church, worship ministry requires a lot of those who do it. Mm -hmm. We do it because we love it. We love mm -hmm. music and we love worship. So we, we spend the money on the gear. Like gra granted, we hope the people greeting love people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they actually like but, to greet people. But, but the people, the people that love greeting and do it for all the right reasons they aren't spending hours in personal rehearsal, then showing up for a corporate rehearsal. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> and then getting then getting to church on Sunday early for sound check uh, and playing sometimes for multiple services yep. on a given Sunday. I mean, there, there's just a lot that's asked of this. And and that includes the people that work in the sound booth and mix. They're they're doing the same thing for the most part. If they're really committed to their job, they're listening to the music. That's going to be played that week, picking up the different nuances of the different instruments, and that should be framing how they mix and uh, whatnot. So um, I think that it, what we have to do, it's so easy to slip into this. I just show up and I do my job. And, and as much as a worship team is, is, it has invested in the ministry of worship and music, it's so easy for us to just get on little islands on this team and you got to promote conversation. Right. You got to, you got to have room for there to be um, just a, a unity building kind of conversation around what kind of sound are we going for? Because if you got a bluegrass guy, a jazz guy, um, uh, a Motown guy all on the rotation to mix, we, you can't have these massive uh variances in the way it sounds every sunday you know mm -hmm. and i've been uh, to, to be honest i've been complaining 
uh, about the res mix for the last several weeks. I, I have vocalized that I can't hear Cody. And I'm frustrated by that. And then, lo and behold, I can Co- hear I can hear me, and it sounds awesome. Yeah, because my ears haven't been gained. <laughs> I I have been in Stephen's ear, and I I about the fact that the mix is just too inconsistent. And lo and behold, this past week, Cody's wife runs sound, and guess what? I guess who I can hear. <laughs> and the mix was great on <laughs> yeah. Sunday. It yeah. was the best it's been in weeks. And so this again, isn't this isn't ripping on anyone. Oh, no, it's not ripping it's on just, anybody. There's there's just personal biases that contribute to certain imbalances in the mix. Our services do not hinge on minor variances in the mix that might drive right. me crazy. Uh, but our the quality of our service doesn't hinge on that. So right. I'm not I'm not like you know uh, sounding alarms all over the church because I think we're about to fall apart because I can't hear Cody in the mix. But it does bother me. Yeah, uh, and right. I do think that we have it at Res. We have the same issue to a certain extent. Is that there are there are preferences and tendencies among the rotation of those who mix. Uh, that are leading to some inconsistency that we need to deal with. So, it, Matt, welcome to the club, man. It's just yeah. part of it, really. I mean, I there 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 is a, a potential, not necessary solution, maybe mitigation. Uh, use some of my information security lingo there. Uh, that could help here that we've actually been exploring a little bit at Christ, and that is our our new mixer, which is uh, an Allen and Heath Avantis. And I, but I, I know even our old one, which is a you know a Roland like M four eighty or whatever, um, allows you to save presets, not total scene presets, of course that is an option, uh, but channel level presets. And having your most senior kind of audio volunteer setting up some presets per musician uh, that have a kind of EQ curve. Uh, gain staging uh, effects routing uh, could be could be helpful and then add that to your standard training is like uh, okay bluegrass guy change some things up a little bit um, when uh, we've gone in and we've pre-programmed all the EQ all the compression uh, all of all of uh, all the gain for each one of our our uh, instrumentalists and so when when you arrive to a rehearsal or, or to Sunday morning, you say, "Hey, uh, Matt's on." That is what you need to do. You need to go into uh, you know rhythm guitar uh, one and uh, and you know recall this preset, and it will be uh, it'll be nice and in good form. And then all you need to worry about is setting the level. You don't need to uh, to do anything more than that. Um, of course, if uh, if one of the volunteers likes messing with things, well. Uh, that could be a, a bit of a turnoff for them, but it would help promote that consistency and uh, and kind of always have a safety patch in case uh, someone does something that's not desirable to the you know to the to the overall mix. So, yeah. and we actually we actually have certain permissions granted to certain mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. audio guys where you know some people aren't. Well, I think it's honestly a, a universal thing. You don't touch the EQ, and that's locked out on most people's presets. So every all of our our sound guys have a login okay. on our Allen and Heath board, 
And so they all have certain permissions and, you know, you can mess with certain things, but not with others, uh, particularly since we have, you know, our guy, Terry, who set the EQ, you know, yep. mm-hmm. y'all don't need to mess with Terry's EQ. <laughs> we ought to get Terry on this thing one time and just talk about, you know, maybe ways that churches could be more consistent and with, with, with you know, perhaps minimal resources compared to churches that have full-time sound guys and, you know, seven, seven figure audio visual budgets and what have you, um, you know, that yeah. he, I think he's good at that, but mm. you know, the truth is we have presets, but the room changes. It, it just, I, I cannot figure out exactly why. I don't know if it's temperature. I don't know if it's the amount of people in the room, uh, the amount of, you know, space those particular people take up individually. Um, it, what those what people are wearing. I mean, yeah, what they're wearing, you know, if it's winter and there's a lot of winter right. coats in the room, I mean, yeah. it's like things change and you get, you get a sound person back there who is a button pusher mm-hmm. and can't keep their grubby hands off of it. Then all of a sudden stuff gets inconsistent. And, uh, you know, I have to sort of like go akuna Matata on this stuff because I, I have this, switch in my brain that i get really anal about yeah the mix and the sound and that's mm-hmm. that's not the primary well, thing that, that's one of your things it's like, one of my it, things I, I do the same thing like if i'm visiting a church or even if i'm just here yeah when when i have a week off then i immediately go into like i have to push myself away from all right i can hear this and this and this this is too loud this is too soft yeah kind of thing that's so easy Mm -hmm. to get into now obviously there's nothing wrong with appreciating hey that guitar tone is legit yeah or that guy played a really good fill to the glory of god in corporate worship or Mm -hmm. what have you uh those are all great things it's just you know Sound, sound guys have a hard time too. I mean, uh, they get blamed for everything. Yeah, um, it, and they should. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have made. I have made. You know, I'm. I'm ashamed to say, in my younger years, uh, when I was a worship leader full time, I've made more than one grown man cry who was mixing for me. Uh, nice, because I, I just. I, I don't know. It. It. I, I. I. I sympathize with Matt because I just could not stand to be on stage. And all this effort being put in mm-hmm. and all this rehearsal and we've got it nailed and we're ready. And then somebody pushed a button or slid a fader somewhere and it just sucked the life out of it, it seemed, yep. uh, which is really not a healthy perspective on what we're there to do because we're not a performance, right? We're, we're leading a church in worship, but it, I, I do sympathize with Matt. Was that you know that that is a a, a challenging uh, kind of cognitive gap though right is that how do we pursue excellence without being wrapped up in the performance? That's right. You know, great like, question. I I think that I think that it's completely possible. Uh, you know, I I think we'll also hit that point of guilt and it's like, you know, it like. Yeah, the you know the the subs weren't quite loud enough, but does it really matter? No, you know, and and maybe be a bit defeatist about it, and then and then of course stop pursuing excellence because we feel guilty that we're focusing on kind of the the accidentals of uh, of the worship service rather than the substance. Um, I mean yeah. that's something that that I you know I struggle with. In fact, I used to watch. Uh, 
I used to be, I, you know, I've talked about this before. We talked about, you know, game tape, right? Watching yourself back on like live streams and stuff and, and how beneficial it was. I realized that I, previous to my, my two month uh, kind of uh, hiatus from the band, uh, I was playing for the live stream and I was completely out of the moment. I was out of what I was doing. I was out of, uh, not even, not even just the moment of worship, but the moment of music. I was playing to the live stream. So caught up in executing perfectly, uh, Mm. that I had no joy left in it. Wow. And I, I, I don't do that so much that I've had friends who couldn't make it to church. Text me like, Hey, good job flubbing that note. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right yeah right and and that's not to say that i didn't you know wreck any notes and and it wasn't the even the point of that i don't think that watching yourself back has benefits i, I certainly do i think that it became the point right of me yep. to like to the thing it was like on sunday afternoon i'd watch the live stream back like it got to that point and it's like i can't wait to see how i did mm. and and that's a disgusting thought for me and it's a, yeah. it, it, but it's it's something that I had and was very real for me, which is why I took such a big step back from the band over the last few months, and probably will be will never be returning to kind of a, an always on weekly sort of thing uh, because it put my head in the wrong space. Now I'm about every other week, and I'm back to enjoying it as a musician, as a contributor, mm-hmm. and uh, and and really not worrying about what it looked like i mean ain't no one gonna sign me a record deal in the congregation like that's not why i'm there you don't know that fair but uh i mean you got you got hidden bluegrass musicians in lincoln you i do you might have a hidden record label we, we got splinter cells of of bluegrass musicians yeah. but none nonetheless is is i think that we can pursue all of these things personal excellence corporate excellence uh, and not just in in music, but in in every other aspect of what it means to be a physical church. Yeah. Uh, but if we get to the point where we are so caught up in how it looks to others or how we can do better, and that's like our sole focus, mm. it, it runs off the rails. I mean, we we can pursue excellence within the context of. Our, our vocation, you know, Lutheran points, to, to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, uh, that's all I've got to say about that. That's good, John. Yeah. I fully agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's uh, leave it there. Go on to the Inquisition. And this is the Inquisition, where we take your questions on the fly, since we do so much prep work in advance of the show all the time. And this part is the only part that's actually totally spontaneous. That's a lie. The whole thing's spontaneous and nobody does any prep work, but uh, you submit questions to us. We should just name, we should just name this episode, like, you know, some of those like Hillsong or like Maverick City tracks and be like, whatever the episode name is, but in parentheses with spontaneous. <laughs> we should just change the name of this podcast to the Westminster effects inquisition. Cause that's really what we do. Yeah. Yes. Pretty much. Um, I, I do have a, a topic for sometime 
in the future that I've been putting off literally all year at this point. Oh goodness. <laughs> because we just keep getting good questions. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, with this one, with, with the inquisition section, we don't spend as much time on it. <laughs> uh, and we get silly questions like the one that we get from Brian Morris and we start with him as is tradition. <laughs> this is going to lead a little, need a little context, but he asks, is Amy Grant a witch? <laughs> Context. <laughs> Context. Somebody commented on one of her posts, quote, I've always loved Amy's music. It took me to a special place of hope myself. It made me feel close to God, too. Sure can't help wondering why I've seen some stuff showing her potential involvement in witchcraft and the Illuminati, especially while posing as a Christian artist. Sure hope we're not being duped. To which Amy Grant responded, not a witch, not practicing witchcraft or satanic rituals. If you don't believe me, you are free to leave this play, this page. Blessings. <laughs> it's like the it's it, it's like the Amy Grant version of she turned me into a newt. It got better. <laughs> got better. You know? <laughs> yes, How do you know yes. she's a witch? Oh, that's good. That's she crazy. The same. Plus, as Amy dog. Grant is not the is not like the big name to be a witch. Like Twyla Paris. I mean, <laughs> who names their kid Twyla other than someone well versed in the dark arts? Oh, that's so good. Oh, John, you're on a roll, man. Uh, I mean, honest, honestly, if anyone in the 90s contemporary Christian music scene is involved in witchcraft, it's Chris Rice, because apparently he can smell colors. <laughs> I don't are, even know who that, that is. Are, oh, man. he So he had an, what was it, an entire album or at least a song called Smell the Color Nine. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really good song. <laughs> right. It's a really good song. Uh, also, he did the cartoon song too. Um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, ruh, ruh, ruh. yeah you know, like <laughs> that was, like conjuring. Uh, that, is, that is one of those things that definitely needs to stay in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I think. Geez, that was on a. I think that was on a Wow album at one point. Almost yeah, positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Beavis and that other guy, guy. because you could. Yeah, Christian radio. Actually. That was the. Th- I think that was the song that uh, that or that was the piece of the song that got him most flack because he said Beavis and that other guy, nah, you know, talking about them, you know, all the cartoon characters singing the singing the praises of uh, of, of God, and uh, and then they refused, and then they refused. <laughs> like you can't even try to redeem Beavis and Butthead, like oh. you know, like there's. I think there's some there's some I mean, op- at, at uh, least there, there's some avenues about- in. You know, maybe no. You can't go there. You couldn't say corn that. holy Leah. Corn, I don't. <laughs> corn, corn holio needs communion. Jeez. <laughs> okay, that may know. that may have been worse. I think you just yeah, made it worse. Probably worse. Cody Fields made, made cartoons by Chris Rice worse. Next question. <laughs> yeah, y'all are on your own with that one. Uh, Matt Paragoy, are we canceling Chris Rock for making a joke about someone's autoimmune disorder, or are we canceling Will Smith for resorting to violence and slapping someone on national TV asking for a friend? I'm canceling Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. They they are a bunch of little kids on a playground fighting mm. over the kickball. I mean, just just stupid. I heard I, I read something. How you really feel, Bradley? Yeah, no, right. it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Like I'm like. People actually 
pay attention to these people. Right. Well, I mean, I like not I, as many as before. I'm not going to stop watching Will Smith movies that I like. Right. Or, you know, if Chris Rock says something funny, I'll laugh. But I, I mean, I have, I cannot tell you how little I do not care that Will Smith slapped him or, or, or what he said. I mean, like, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It, you know, it's it, just. I saw a post the other day that the way it was written reminded me of, and, and I'm not a big, I'm not a Dave Ramsey fan, but you know, a lot of people know bits and pieces of, of kind of his his credo. And one is uh, when he talks about you know like uh, crazy car loans, right? And he's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, using a loan to buy a car you can't afford to impress people to stop like you'll never meet, right? Like that's that's his thing, I think. Yep. Right. Um, you know, the Academy Awards are like. Uh, you know, being in a room with a bunch of people you don't like, getting an award that means nothing, yeah, uh, to be watched by people who you don't know, or something like that, is is the analogy I saw. But I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, it's just Hollywood giving awards to themselves. Like nobody really watch. I mean, there's people who watch, but like, what's it matter? Well, the ratings have been horrible. Uh, and some people have speculated this whole thing was staged to get more attention, but mm-hmm. uh, which could have been welcome to Earth. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's my favorite Will Smith scene of all time. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, the the terribly ironic thing. Like, yes, there is something to be said about standing up for the honor of your wife, but bro, you have an open marriage. Mm. I, I the. the I don't even want to comment on that. I mean, the, the the inconsistency there is just yes, mind numbing. It's mind numbing. You know, he laughs at the joke too, and then marches up on stage, slaps Chris Rock, and then starts screaming at him. And I'm like, there's something about that that whole scene. I have watched the video um, that just feels like I don't know. It, 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 I don't know. It feels fake to me. And right. I don't know on what level it's fake. But it, You it mean a room fake. full of people who portray... Act for a living, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who portray uh, fictional scenes as yeah. fictional characters doing yeah. something fictional? Bradley. You, <laughs> that's, that's a step too far. You monster. <laughs> I will say, though, I laughed my head off at the look on Chris' face after he got slapped. Like, oh yeah, it was like. He, I mean, maybe it was genuine because he really looked like he didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't. I didn't watch the video. I don't like Chris Rock. I just, you know, there's, there's, know. you know, I, I don't like uh, really like Kevin Hart, uh, you know, either. And it's just kind of that that or Gilbert Gottfried or, um, you know, George Carlin. Uh, you know, like that that really. Uh, I can't. I can't place the word, but loud. It's that loud comedy. I just can't. I mm-hmm. uh, can't get on board with. So uh, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, we've spent too much time on this topic. What's the next now, question? Now the memes. The memes that have come out of this <laughs> have been. Yeah, Cody. Cody is salivating. Oh man. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen the the Arius and, and Nicholas one. That one was pretty good. Yeah. The so. one where John MacArthur walks up on the stage and slaps Joel Osteen. Have you seen that one? No. This is my favorite one, though, where Jada Smith 
is Elisha. Chris Rock is 42 youths. Smith is two she bears. Nice. <laughs> the layers on that one. Yeah, there's lots of layers there. It's good. good. Oh, uh, you know, you you mentioned John MacArthur. Uh, our so you know uh, mentioned a few weeks ago, Bunning House, right? Our our new neighbors, our members at Indian Hills uh, Community Church here in uh, uh, here in Lincoln, and uh, their pastor of like fifty some odd years is uh, is retiring, and they issued a call to someone from the Master's Seminary. Uh, so uh, yeah, I may have about to, it? I may have to may have to swing by and see how that pans out. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Good for them. This is the, I was just going to see how long I could let that silence hang, and then I didn't do a very good job letting it hang. You did. But, you know, <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? We're all out of things to say. We're all out of questions. We're out of questions? There was only two? I only planned for two. Uh, I didn't well, know how long we would go on. I don't know. That's fair. Well, hey, how about you, uh, how about you tell honestly me everything? Why don't you tell me everything that was wrong with my Luther? Oh, I haven't like, even gotten. You to haven't it yet. gotten to it yet, because uh, like, well, but so for the crap, I did. I did. Oh well, my goodness! I don't. It's it's a low serial number two. Yeah, and like I don't know what. Like I knew it had some some bits and pieces. I had to put it like a new jack on it at one point. I want to know what ago. you did to the edges of that thing. It looks like a dog chewed it, but it's an aluminum enclosure. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll, homie. I don't know. <laughs> You've been uh, jumping off a of half stacks to turn it on. I yeah, guess. right. No, I, I just go. I'm just curious. Is like what, what had befallen it to do? You know, because it's apparently uh, you had befallen it. Yeah, right. <laughs> to be fair, it still worked if all the knobs were just in, in just the right place. Uh, so. <laughs> anyways, anyways, well. Thanks for listening to the Westminster Effects Oxology podcast. Make sure you share the show and subscribe and all that good stuff. Leave us a five-star review, even if it's dishonest. Go love God, love your neighbor, and make some music. We'll see you next week.